The phone conversation between fantasy veterans Bob Harris and Matt Waldman is a quick and dirty rundown of players, units, or teams from Sunday's games. Feel it or fuck it is our instant verdict on the fantasy value of a player or situation, not the ability, effort, or character of the player. This is just how two old-timers in this industry talk when they got a lot of cover in a little time. It's September. We don't know enough to do any of this right yet. Except, Matt, it seems like falling back to what I thought in June is paying off more and more each week. That sounds good. So, basically, preseason. Yeah, I, th- I, I think we get into the training camps and, you know, we look at the minute by minute and we head into each week and we start focusing on matchups that, again, we don't know enough information to really make reliable decision-making on. But we'll go to the first one. I mean, like, I'll go with this one. Tua Tonga Valoa. Feel it or fuck it. Oh, I'm feeling it, but not because of him. I'm feeling it because of Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel is like, if we had fantasy coaches, you know, as part of the one of the positions, he might be moving up to 1.01 because he's making he with the two him saying, "Listen, we he didn't say, oh, we already have Jalen Waddle, we already have a fast receiver, you know, my system needs something different." No, Tyreek Hill, we got a chance at him. Fuck that, we're gonna get him. And when you do, you look at this offense, this offense feels like a hyperspeed version of what Carson Wentz had in year two with the Eagles, where people just couldn't kind of figure it out right away, or it just meshed with his talents. And it's quick decisions, get the ball out fast, even if it's just little look-ins that they throw without the receiver running you know, any complex routes. And, I, you know, I'm feeling they're making... Oh, allow me to bottom line this for you, young man. Supporting cast plus innovative offense equals success. We knew this was coming in May. We knew this was coming in June. We should have uh, trusted it. And early in the season, I think that's where I'm heading. I'm starting to trust things that I thought in June, just like I trusted what the Lions were doing with Jared Goff in terms of building the supporting cast. You feeling it? Oh, I'm definitely feeling it. I think he's better in the pocket than people realize. I mean, one of the throws that he had in this game, he got sandwiched by two defenders, um, and they he played without a starting center and starting guards, and they still beat the commanders. That says something about the commanders, but it also says something about the Lions. And, Bob, bottom line-wise, I asked you about the preseason. You still haven't answered that one yet, buddy. <laughs> well, you know, uh, Are you feeling preseason analysis? Uh, no, no, no. I'm not feeling preseason analysis, right? I mean, we get too caught up in the in the in the minutia. We get caught up in the in the in all the little bits and pieces that you know we're looking down a drinking straw at each situation. We need to step back and put it all in a broader pros- perspective, uh, so we can make better decisions come September. Because if we're basing our September decisions on anything from August, we're going to come up short and. And Lord knows I am coming up short a fair amount. I need to broaden my perspective a little bit. I'm the one preaching it, yeah. and I need to do it better. Yeah, we talk about preseason drum beats, but, you know, you got to be able to clap on the two and four instead of the one and three. And I think that everyone's clapping on one and three when they look at the preseason. They're the police make... then. They're Stuart Copeland. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, fuck Stuart Copeland, as great as he is in that particular situation. <laughs> so what about Matt Ryan, speaking of Stuart oh, Matt. Copeland? So, uh, first of all, let, let me just say I was as surprised as anyone to wake up this morning and find that Frank Reich still had a job. Uh, tie with Houston, another loss to the Jaguars, and just both in miserable fashion. Um, this is a situation that goes on to prove that what I thought in June, May and June isn't always 100% correct. That is not totally reliable. Uh, and there's also further proof that 
like uh, all the best person out. Look, he was shorthanded in this game, right? Didn't have his top receiving weapon. Uh, but, but man, there's a lot of pieces not to like here. I'm going to screw this until further notice. Yeah, I'm listen, I'm going to be stubborn and I'm going to say I'm still going to feel it because it's Matt Ryan. I, I think that they're still adjusting that I don't think anybody was scared of the passing game mainly because of, I mean, the Jaguars did a good job of playing game against that offensive line. Ryan is, Ryan is maneuverable, not highly mobile. Um, I think they will figure this out. Um, some of this, some of this though, I mean, right now, yeah, it's a, it's a fuck it situation for now, but until but further I'm, notice, yeah. I said it right. You did. You did. Russell Wilson, my man. Uh, again, until further notice, fuck this. I mean, I'll play some of the associated pieces. Um, this is just not Kate getting together. Just, despite all the happy talk about the great relationship between Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson, it, it hasn't melded together yet. Right. And, you know, I mean, like there's outside circumstances are going to force issues here. Uh, they're going to start getting a little desperate. I'm hoping it all falls into line. And I think it will at some point. Again, September football is not ideal football to base season long decisions on. And so I'm not going to make any season long decisions, but I'm going to, you know, this is, a, this is a point, Matt, where you decide like, okay, you know, we're sitting here in September, play your studs. Well, who are your studs, right? I don't know that we exactly know who our studs are. And I think relying on, you know, exactly what, you know, happened to repeat every single week is foolish, but we should be mindful of it. And so I'm going to wait for this offense to gel a little bit more before I start forcing Wilson into the lineup. Yeah. So fuck it as the starting quarterback, but feeling it as your reserve. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. absolutely. All right. Curtis Samuel. I'm feeling it. He's, you know, there's scheme players and matchup players. And and scheme players are guys that the that the team is going to marshal all its forces to get one guy open and let him make the play. Those guys usually aren't the ones you're going to rely on in the fourth quarter to match up one-on-one -on -one against a Patrick Peterson or, a, or an Xavier Howard or a Jalen Ramsey. Um, and I think Curtis Samuel at this stage of his career, mainly because they can't rely on him to stay healthy, for as long as he, they have him, they're going to scheme him up. And they, he had nine targets last yesterday. Five of them were scheme-based targets. I'm feeling that. Look, they told us what they wanted to do long ago in Carolina, this coaching staff, when they used him in similar ways. He was super productive uh, as a kind of this chess piece type player. And they are clearly scheming up to get him open in many, many circumstances. I agree with you. I'm feeling it 100%. Well, what about one Chris Olave, the rookie? He had 356 air yards in this game, apparently. According to Dwayne McFarland's Twitter feed, he's the best player ever to live, and I believe everything Dwayne says 100%. So I'm feeling it. Look, I'm feeling it for what he is, right? I mean, he's a big play threat. I don't think you want to start him as a consistent play. I think, you know, the... I think his uh, catchable ball rate was 43%. Dwayne had it at because they're, you know, the A dot's like 26 yards, you know, or maybe even further. Uh, so, like, I feel it for what he is. I think he is the big play threat in this offense. I don't know if that's something you need in your lineup every single week, but if you have room for it, sure. I don't know. Anybody who eats at a place that has jalapeno infused pork chops, I, I got, no, I'm feeling it too. I mean, listen. I liked what Dwayne had to say because from watching the game, you know, Winston couldn't couldn't hit him. And he was wide open multiple times, obviously, due to the air yards that they're talking about there. <clears throat> and I and you just look at his ability to run routes. They're going to be able to figure out a way, ways to use him a little bit more unless they just keep him in that deep role. If, in three week, if like three or four weeks from now, all they're doing is, is overshooting him on deep shots, then I might change my mind. Right now, I'm feeling it. 
I'm I'm with you there. I'm I'm feeling it too. I think it's it's good enough for that though. I mean, I'm not relying on him as one of my top two, but as my wide receiver three, I think you can get some huge upside there. And, and all my best ball shares are of him are are I'm very thankful for having. Uh, uh Richie James, the amazing Richie James. I said that wrong. I've been feeling this since I got asked by Big Blue Review in May to review their depth chart. And I said, the surprise player that you guys should be keeping an eye on who could make a big contribution to your offense, if given the opportunity, will be Richie James. I've always liked Richie James. There's a, he's a, I, I, When I give a player a comparison of a starter kit, doesn't mean that he's a hot, he's the high-end version of that. But, you know, if you add some season and it might be there, Richie James is an Antonio Brown starter kid, if you ask me. In the same way that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is an is a Emmett Smith starter kid. Though that, that might mean equal Mike Hart. But, um, yeah, I like Richie James. And, I, I, you know, he's reliable, good in the, in the slot, good outside, getting a lot of targets. I think it's going to continue. I think him and David Sills are both pawn pawns in this mighty war of chess Brian Dable is waging against uh, Kadarius Tony and uh, and uh, and Galladay. How are you feeling about those two? Yeah, well, you know, I'm I'm closer to feeling it about Kadarius Tony because he's working his way into getting targets because they sent a message. Brian Dable said, listen, we're this is about people being able to work. I'm looking at this Giants team, and I obviously see something going on in this locker room where these guys care more about what they're doing after the game probably than they are at, you know, for winning or losing a game. And looking at Galladay, Galladay to me was kind of held up by the Marvin Jones and Golden Tate and Matthew Stafford as basically a one-trick pony who was a high-end athlete who didn't have a lot of great technical skills as a route runner. Tony to me is probably wasn't the most mature guy as a worker. And Dable said, I'm not tied to either of these guys. So if you guys want to act like schmucks, then you guys go ahead and act like schmucks. You're not going to play. I'm going to send the message. We know Tony's one of the most talented guys on the field in that offense, maybe just second to Saquon Barkley. And I think Tony is starting to figure that out. Kenny Galladay's reaction was to clean out his locker after the game, even though he was surprised that he wasn't going to play to begin the game. I think so. Galladay, I, I'm thankful for Galladay because uh, people, when I use the uh, Alvin Harper references as receivers who go to new teams <laughs> who can't do anything, it's so outdated, nobody knows what the hell I'm talking about. Uh, Alan Robinson, Matt. Feeling it. Feeling yeah, it. Yeah, man. They figured it out. I mean, look, when you can put, when you can use two steps and make A.J. Terrell go in the wrong direction on a fade route, that that's all you need to know about the elite quickness and the great footwork that he did. Cause he did that multiple times against defensive backs in this game. Um, as long as you know, I, I'm, I'm with you. I feel in it. So yeah, Sam, yeah. we're going to revisit Sam. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm hundred percent. Look, look, I think there's, you know, there are enough weapons here. Again, we got really choked up over a poor showing against a really good team in the uh, season opener. Uh, everyone should have dialed back. And I think most everyone did. They realized that this was going to rectify. Yeah, for sure. So what about Sammy Watkins if we're going to revisit, guys? So I was talking to Jeff Manns uh, from Guru Elite on my uh, Sirius XM uh, pregame show two weeks ago. We were talking about Aaron Rodgers, and he said something that makes perfect sense. Great quarterbacks make great receivers, right? Do they make them every week, or do they make the same guy great every week, or whatever? They No, they cobble things together, and they come up with something. Sammy Watkins is a piece of that. So is Alan Lazard, maybe the frontline piece of that but Eric Aaron Rodgers is going to make somebody look pretty damn good every week and I'm glad it was Sammy Watkins this week might be Sammy Watkins again th next week I don't think it'll be Sammy Watkins every week but if you're in a pinch uh 
fall back on Rodgers. I think it'll be Sammy Watkins enough weeks, mainly because last the the week before, they defenses were like, "Fuck that, we're gonna we're gonna take care of Sammy. We're gonna let them beat us with two rookies and see what happens." And we saw what happened. So I I think now with Lazard back, that makes things a little bit more difficult to just you know totally focus on a guy like Watkins. So I'm 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 a more of a believer where Watkins is in that Olave spot. How about Hunter Renfro? Hey, if the if, if their car's going to throw the ball 40 times every damn week, I'm feeling this. I'm feeling all those guys. It's going to be just fine. Yeah, I'm with you. We don't have much more to say with that. Um, Najee Harris, though. Let's get into something. My cousin Najee not faring well. What do you say? Feeling I almost said, fuck it. Last week, I'm saying it this week, that I'm, I'm ready to go there because this offensive line is just not playing well. Maybe if, when they switch to pick it, which could be next week, which means that he's going to whiplash his way back onto this list. But I'm I'm not feeling it. He's on my bench right now. I'm not trying to deal him away for nothing because that's what you're basically going to get from yeah. him at this stage compared to what's available. How about uh, you? The Browns made the Jets look good this past Sunday, this yesterday. So I may give him another chance. Make it a, may give him another chance this coming week. Look, don't make me say fuck it to Bob Harris. All right, I. Clyde I... Edwards-Helaire, <laughs> say something nice. Heat man, he can catch. He's a bully in the open field. That play against Derwin James where he lowered the shoulder on that guy was very nice. He can't pass protect, though, um, and they never use him as such. Um, and he's not a great – he's a good decision maker, but he's not a powerful or especially explosive inside runner. I'm still feeling it as a flex play. Um, but I'm not feeling him as a starter. How about you? Right. When you have a half-billion-dollar quarterback, you're not going to trust that guy to protect him. But uh, as the leading component of a backfield of one of the most explosive offenses in the league, I feel that is a flex play every damn week. Gerald Everett. Oh, yes! Bring me all the Everett. Look, I know Keenan <laughs> Allen was hurt, right? I mean, big deal. And, and Justin Herbert's status is going to depend, you know, be a, be a primary thing. But, man, this is another one that I, I've been hearing ever since he signed with the team and you know, credit to Daniel Popper from the athletic who every time I've talked to him has reminded me, man, they're using him in all kinds of creative ways. They're making heavy use of him. And I think if, even at this point, the production has come despite some obvious lack of chemistry issues or still building chemistry issues with Justin Herbert. So I'm feeling it. If you invested in him late in your draft as your second tight end, you're going to have great value. Listen, you know, when Gerald Everett was with the Rams, the Rams are a template system offense. And if they, they colored outside the line. You know, Sean McVay slapped the hand because he said, it's my system. This offense is me. I am the offense. And then when yes. you take a look at Seattle, it's kind of more like, yes, you know, it's all kind of touchy-feely and nice up there in the Emerald City. And they talk about how, how they're going to get more out of him. But then it's template as well. It's just not a very good Shane template. Waldron was the offensive coordinator who went from the Rams exactly. to the Exactly. So you knew the offense. He coached us up on the offense a little bit in the tight end room. But the Chargers, like you said, the way they use him, and you can see it. They use him on the wing a lot. They don't use him in line very often because that's not where he's great. He was a former quarterback at South Alabama. He can run after the catch. He was great in all phases of the game except one play that resulted in the pick six, and it was the type of play where basically he 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 was on the same page with Ju Justin Herbert. Herbert got on the you know saw the route, decided to throw it, and then Everett changed his mind at the last second yep. and opened up that window. So I'm up. okay with him. Isaiah Likely, though? Look, the unathletic Isaiah Likely is likely to do this on occasion. I this is the same thing I've kind of said 
heading into the season. I think I said it last week. I think I'll probably say it again next week. Mark Andrews, Rashad Bateman, and the flavor of the week. And uh, some weeks it's going to be Devin Duvernay. Great kickoff return by him. But, you know, two targets in the passing game. Likely was the guy that showed up this week. There's going to be a week where it's Demarcus Robinson. There's going to be a week where it's Tylen Wallace. It's just, you know, identifying that guy in advance might be a little difficult. Maybe at some point we'll get a feel for what uh, kind of matchups and maybe give us a tell on, on who's going to rise up any given week. But that's the way it's going to be. I think if health permitting, it's Duvernay and likely flip-flopping. And I agree with you in, in, in concept there. Mike Giusecki. Find a new move, Giusecki. What was that <laughs> touchdown celebration? That was not great. Look, He's I'm a not, gangly I'm, dude. I'm not, I am not, I am neither feeling this nor fucking it because I'm too invested just to throw them all out. You know, I had high hopes for him just based on the the team's investment, right? Uh, they franchise tagged him. They're on the hook for $10 million, right? I figured they would find a way to use him. They did in this game. I don't think it's going to be every game. He's kind of, in the in the leagues I drafted him, maybe with tight end one, uh, Gerald Everett is starting there now, so I'll be okay. I'm not ready to throw him overboard, but the first time I need a roster spot, he's out the window. He's a bi-week guy for me. That's basically, yeah, I see him as a bi-week guy, so I'm feeling him in that capacity. But are you feeling Jay, Jahan Dotson of the command? I'm feeling this is another one where I'm feeling the coaching staff. They've told us what they're doing now, right? They've schemed him into scoring situations and they're using him precisely in that way. Um, so, yeah, I'm feeling it. And like it's a, it, I don't know that he's like a weekly must start at this point. I don't know if the volume, you know, maybe I have players with more volume that I feel more confident in that I drafted earlier. But at some point, if this keeps up. It's not going to be long before I have some pretty hard decisions to make. I'm feeling it. Yeah, because he's on the back end of everybody's roster right now, and that's fine. You drafted him to be there in that capacity, and he's performing above expectation. And when you match a guy up against a corner in the red zone in the fourth quarter and say, we're going to you, beat your man, and he does, and, and it's a tough play, that's a big sign the coaching staff likes their guy. But do you like the Ravens' defense? Yeah, I like it now that it's uh, the guys running it over in New York with the Giants. I'll, I'll go ahead. <laughs> uh, not, not exactly feeling the Ravens' offense after yesterday's performance. I think they'll be fine on the whole, but uh, the injuries are gonna, an issue again already. So uh, I don't know. I'm not, not, neither feeling nor fucking. Yeah, I, I would say this. I'm feeling the front seven, but the back, yeah. but the back four. Ooh, fuck that. It's, it's rough. They're blown coverages to, to smithereens, basically. <clears throat> All right, let's talk about a couple of... Uh, so, Arthur Smith is a guy. I feel like was me early in my fantasy career, right, in this industry. I did a lot of things right, and I could make no money at it. I had no successes, right? I loved the things I was doing, and I couldn't put dinner on the table. Arthur Smith, you need some wins. You also probably need to get a little more Kyle Pitts in your life. I know you're not playing fantasy football, Matt. What are you feeling, or what do you do with Pitts? I mean, to me, uh, Kyle, I mean, you keep him because I don't think people are going to try and it's basically going to be a buy low situation. People are trying to get the Sharks are going to be circling around on him. You're not going to get a good the deal that you want with him. But I think what happens is that in this offense, because of Marcus Mariota and the the type of decision maker that he is, and I know that people are like, well, just let Kyle Pitts run behind the worst corner. Well, getting it schemed up like that, isn't as easy as it looks. And I think what's happening here, and it's not even just the scheme part, it's whether the, the quarterback's going to see it. And I think the we don't have a quarterback who sees it, you know, throwing the ball to Pitts. So it's one or the other, London or Pitts each week. 
And right now it's been London because they know what they got, have to face in pits, so they're taking him away. Eventually, if London plays well enough, they might have to go away from him. But right now, the Falcons are, you know, barely competitive. I would they played competitive football, in, you know, in late in games um, or falling apart late in games. But they, you know, I think most teams feel like they can win with with them taking away pits and letting London do what he does. Innovative offensive minds don't uh, don't always get the wins, apparently. And, and he needs some wins or he's going to lose that job and we're going to lose a guy who does really cool stuff on offense uh, and does makes players better that weren't previously better, says Cordero Patterson. Uh, and, and I'm feeling London, by the way. Uh, you know, heavily invested in him in dynasty leagues. Uh, versatile, play all the spots, big, yeah. fast enough. A uh, lot to like there. Uh, like this all-airport team they've devised, the yeah. Pitts, I, the Edwards, the Drake, or the London. I mean, all these big bodies out there, and, and it opens up some things for some of the ancillary pieces. Yeah, well. and didn't Arthur Smith get rid of Marcus Mariota when he first took over? He that, did. Yeah, so it's just interesting to me that he now has Marcus Mariota as his free agent. I, that wasn't a good sign right there. All right, one last one from the department of even good players on bad teams get lucky sometimes. How are you feeling about Amari Cooper? <laughs> yeah, that was a Jets matchup, I think, more than anything right now. But I do like that they weren't just trying to go deep because, again, Carolina isn't a good team either. So I'm feeling it a little more than I would have been last week. Mainly, and I would have kept Cooper. I have Cooper on some teams, and I'm keeping him um, because I got him at a good spot. But... Right now, I mean, you're just hoping that they continue to throw a lot more shorter intermediate routes and not just consistently try and go Chris Olave um, in terms of deployment on him. And if they do that, Cooper's going to be okay. Yeah, Donovan Peoples-Jones for that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, listen, there aren't many people like having Bob Harris for that when you say having somebody <laughs> for that. But, you know, we appreciate you for doing that. And good luck this week, my man. All right, we'll talk next week. Love uh, you, bye. Love you, bye.